This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show and today I'm joined by Mark Fredelman who is a global marketing executive focused on blockchain and e-commerce organizations. So we're talking blockchain, crypto, DeFi and a lot of things in terms of how they relate to e-commerce but also we can hopefully get some insights into the future of crypto and DeFi as well. So Mark, thanks so much for being a guest on the show today. My pleasure. Uh, appreciate you having me. How did you actually get started in the crypto space? I know a lot of people still don't really know this thing exists yet, but it's been around for a long time. So share how you got started in the industry. Yeah, well, I didn't get started uh, the typical way. I uh, was actually anti-Bitcoin because I couldn't believe that you know, somebody had the audacity to create this digital token and assign value to it. This is way back in 2014. But once Ethereum came around, um, I was sold almost instantly. Uh, you've got a platform where you can build other tokens on and have spark contracts and create this you know, whole new ecosystem that was not unlike the internet was in 1994. So uh, I got into it like uh, <laughs> through the back door. So was it something that you saw the potential of that made you think you could do more with it? Because you've moved on to things like DeFi and a metaverse and things like that was it like a, a steady progression for you or was it a bit more to it yeah I, I look at it as kind of a progression uh, and we still have not solved the the issues that are going to be solved in, in the future uh, for me it was more like okay look what our governments are doing and here's a, a, a chance for the people to take control over their own monetary supply their own digital identities they're you know the, the financial uh, infrastructure that was created and, and backed up by politicians uh you, we, we we could have our own um and it, certainly we're not there yet but i see the potential i know where it's headed and uh you know if if uh i'm a betting man i i, I think it's going to replace most of what we call traditional finance and a lot of our monetary system how do you think that would play out given that a lot of governments actually start having their own cryptocurrencies as well, which could essentially have a digital version of the currency that they currently hold, if that makes sense. Do you see that happening? Do you see that playing out? Yeah, I, I, government issued digital tokens. I, I don't see how anyone would want to invest in that unless they're super secure with government run anything. I, I certainly wouldn't. I know most of the community wouldn't. I know there's a, a bunch of traditional financial people that would give it a shot. But, you know, anytime government tries to compete with the uh, commercial industry or anybody that's, you know, entrepreneurial, it loses because the only way government succeeds is through monopolies that they control and they, they run. Uh, and they've got all the guns and the courts and everything else. But if, if, it, if they're going to operate against a a, uh, a marketplace that's free, uh, they're going to lose. Not even worried. It makes me think as well of the whole peer-to-peer -peer blockchain system, the whole idea of having secret keys and everything being from one wallet to another, essentially. That makes for something that 
doesn't really happen all that much. There's always a gatekeeper or some kind of middleman that's constantly taking their cuts, so to speak, where you don't necessarily have that with the blockchain and crypto space, do you? Yeah, I mean, there are some secret backdoors in blockchain, but a lot of it's transparent. You know, most of what we see out there is very transparent. And if somebody took the time, they could uncover it. Whereas what you're talking about is nobody knows what's happening. I mean, except for the nefarious actors and the politicians that are supporting them. So it's actually a safer place to be uh, in blockchain because of the transparency. I'd be really curious to hear about these back doors because not many people actually share it. I mean, percentage wise anyway. And this is coming from someone that gets hundreds of emails a day trying to get me to buy their bitcoin or mining it or whatever the terms are i'm at a point personally mark where i tend to switch off from things like that even though it's legitimate even though i'm sure it's transparent it's been going on for that long that my brain just goes bitcoin and i can't really handle (laughs) a lot of the way people talk about it and i'm sure you can speak to this as well but everyone that promotes it or says it's amazing will automatically have a vested interest because depending on how influential they are they increase the cost of it so the price of it goes up the more people promote it so naturally because they got in before you in a way that's why they're promoting it they're actively increasing the prices which doesn't seem to make sense when you go one level deeper it's like well of course everyone's going to see how amazing it is after they've just bought some because that's what drives the prices up it's so difficult to really nail down where the transparency comes from because everyone's got this vested interest in doing it and i was speaking to somebody about a month or two ago where he actually educates people on things like this and he said it's really really hard to navigate for that reason because people can short it and do all those things it's so hard to really make decisions around what to be investing where to put your money And especially when things get tighter for certain people, they need some reliability with the information that they're getting where it's not from someone that's secretly got six figures in the coin that they just so happen to be promoting. Similar to how governments do things, it just seems like it's rippled down to now the average person's doing it as well. Yeah, I I couldn't just say it better myself. I know it might shock people, but... Uh, I'm I'm still fun, a fundamentalist. It's like, okay, what is this token or coin bringing value to? Is it just a DeFi token that pretends to have an 80,000% APY? We've all seen those. They all failed. Uh, is it, what, what is it uh, that they're, they're saying this, this token can do? And, and you got to break down that value. You know, if you look at a polygon where it's multi-chain, there's value there connecting different chains together. So I, I would invest in something like a polygon, assuming you know, the, the price is right and everything else. I, I really look at uh, tokens as stocks, not from how stocks are valued, but by the value that the these tokens bring to the community. And remember, we're in like generation two of tokens. When we get into generation three and four, when NFTs are, are programmable and smart and automatically do things, then we will see a, a completely different world. Right now, Honestly, I'm not a big fan of the metaverse or NFTs because of you know the, how easy it is to duplicate, and, and, and they're really dumb NFTs. Uh, they're smart, in fact, in, in that you can tie it to ownership on the blockchain, but there's so much more to come going forward that uh, 
Yeah, I think it'll be mind blowing to see what happens with when really smart entrepreneurs come up with these new smart ideas in, in relation to NFTs, tokens, and and uh, and everything else. So yeah, now I, I'm I would say be very very careful. Uh, Ethereum's a good bet. Polygon's a good bet. Anytime you can demonstrate real value, and I mean real value to people, uh, then that is something to look at. And then you look at uh, you know is the price does the price make sense? So. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're in agreement there. I, I just have more of an evolved view after failing uh, in investing for, for so long. I found that's been the case as well. It's like the more failures you've had, the more refined your opinion is because it's based on more experience than someone that's never really, never really tried. That thing where you said, the comment of things have been evolving and early stage NFTs and crypto is quite a dangerous game to play unless you know ahead of time that there's value in the actual thing that you're investing in. That's the same as what it used to be for things like businesses and online businesses and all of those things. Very often, the early days of things, it is like the wild, wild west where anyone can have one. So everyone does, and that naturally actually devalues it as opposed to increases the value of it. I wonder... Well, where your thoughts are around value and how do you perceive it? What do you define as being valuable? Because in the blockchain space, a lot of it is purely virtual for the most part. And yet bringing value to people, I'm guessing, can be in lots of different ways because I've seen entertainment become more valuable now than it has been for a while from a person to person point of view people recommending youtubers for instance or this tiktok star that's doing really really well let's say a lot of it's based on recommendation more than it has been before because we can all talk to each other and we can all recommend things left right and center how do you see value playing out as the world becomes more and more digitized it's a great question so you know, like anything, let's just use digital examples, um, like anything digital, whether it's software or whether it's a, uh, a some sort of online marketplace like eBay, you know, whenever you're providing some sort of, of market or digital good to somebody, even movies and TV shows can be considered digital goods, then and people want them and it enhances their life or makes their job easier or whatever it is. Um, if you can make that case and back it up with, with, with a, a sound and coherent argument and people that are using that particular service, let's use Polygon, for example, where they're connecting different chains together, um, that to me shows value. And, and that's step one. So once I establish, okay, there's value in the roadmap, looks like the value is going to get even, even greater. Then I look at, okay. Do you know? Do you trust the team? Do you trust the direction that that that's going on? How are they making money? Um, a lot of people don't talk about this. You know how how are these people that are putting out these chains? Are they making money just on selling their own token? Well, that that's a losing game over the long run, unless they keep printing more and then they become basically a government <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, that's a failing uh, proposition. Or are they providing real value that people are willing to pay for and that? the the funds that are being taken in aren't misused and, and misspent. So I, I kind of break it down that way. And there's not a lot of 
uh, I'll tell you, there's not a lot of tokens that qualify. How would you figure out which ones do qualify? Because you said that not many do. I would imagine it's easier to figure out whether they do versus whether they don't. Like it's a much shorter list, right? So it's easier to probably break that down. How do you draw the conclusion that something's worth investing in? Yeah, it makes me think I should become an analyst and there's not enough of them out there. But so, you know, first of all, I, I go back to my original uh, equation, which is please outline the specific value that this particular uh, token or blockchain is providing me. For Ethereum, it's simple. Ethereum provides a platform for other people to build on. And there's gas fees. There's Yes, the gas fees don't go you know, to, to Ethereum, so to speak. But uh, there is an ecosystem that, that can be created on Ethereum where people make money. And that's then transferred back into uh, the token just through sheer usage. And whenever you have more demand, the, the price goes up. So you could, you could make a, a case for Ethereum, for example. Uh, so I, I look at, okay, how is this particular token or platform or marketplace or blockchain going to make money? And if you can't make a case for that, then to me, that's a non-starter out of the gate. But let's say they can make money. Then you have to look at, okay, how are these funds being utilized in, in the future? Is it being returned to token holders? Is it being reinvested in the project? And is, if so, is the project roadmap make sense? Does it, make, does it look like it's going to make more money uh, for the token holders or at least provide more demand so more people buy it so that my investment in that token goes up so i mean i'm talking very basic but at, at the core of it that's what you're looking for in terms of okay does this token have real value and will it continue to have value in the future um, i guess a case could be made that you look at the you know the future earnings and discount it back to today i think that's an exercise that's beyond you know what i'm willing to, to sign up for but at some point um, we're going to get some smart, very smart analysts in here to, to provide this information to us. Do you find that that tends to be what's missing when you think about where the industry is going? Someone somewhere is going to have to be able to analyze all this information. Everything's coming in all at once. You've got marketing playing out, which is potentially inflating the value of something, even when it's not necessarily there. And when you think about, okay, most of this is in the blockchain. It's not necessarily physical. There needs to be some element of value that might not be tied to the physical world, so how we, how we live our lives day to day. Do you think that's where it needs to go before, let's say, the generation three and four, as you mentioned? Do you think the analysts have to come in before things get too big? For things like that? I think two things need to happen. First of all, why is it so complicated to, to buy something? Uh, why do we have to do go through all these steps on exchanges? It shouldn't be any harder than it is to buy stocks, but it's incredibly painful, especially if it's on different chains. So that, that's number one. Uh, number two, yes, I would like to see analysts. Uh, I'm sure there are some, but if there are, please reach out to me, uh, that do study this stuff in a value type of way. Uh, I have not run into any. Uh, now, admittedly, I haven't done a, 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 ma a massive search yet. But um, once those two things happen, then I think we're going to see 
you know, crypto become mainstream. Hopefully all the crap coins get, you know, tossed aside. Um, we're not having to worry about those and, and all the scams that come with them. And that we just focus on, okay, if you're going to create a token, you know, this is the formula you must follow. What's the, what's the value you're providing people or businesses? How are you going to make money? And is that money going to, you know, are you going to continue to see money in the foreseeable future? Uh, a very simplistic view, but just that alone would help guide and steer the industry and people that are on the outside looking in and saying, what is this thing? I, I can't, I can't get my arms around it. I don't understand it. And therefore I'm not going to participate. That makes me think of a lot of it becomes inflated if the person that's in charge or the person that's running it is particularly adept at marketing and promotion and PR or whatever the case is. It makes me think that a lot of it can be smoke and mirrors. A lot of it can be pulling the wool over people's eyes and trying to convince someone that it's valuable even when it's not. And I've seen so many people that have fairly large social media followings put anything together and it makes money just because of the sheer amount of people that get involved. It's almost like everything now is becoming a popularity contest because the most popular people in the world could put anything together and it can work. Whether it's valuable or not, it's almost like a supply and demand thing as opposed to a value add, if that makes any sense. How do you see that working or playing out? Well, I, I would agree with you. There's a lot of PT Barnums in the space and they're taking a p advantage of people with less knowledge of crypto and building a lot of hype around these big APYs, for example, in DeFi. And, uh, you know, you could see that people are making 80,000% APY, but you just have to do the math in your head and realize this can only go on for a couple more months before it, it just, you can't get enough people into the system to sustain it. So these are legitimate Ponzi schemes. And uh, it just cracks me up that, you know, there's a lot of people that still believe in that stuff. 80,000% APY. Can you imagine? Uh, and they go through the math and they, they, they show how it can happen. But what they don't do is to say, well, you got to keep having money come in from other suckers in order to fuel this thing because there's no money being generated. Right. They're not, there's like, and I go back to my mm -hmm. formula. Where's the money being generated? to support this. Oh, well, there's not any. Well, then where's it coming from? Well, it's coming from new investors. Well, that's a Ponzi scheme. So, uh, yeah, uh, it actually reminds me, Mark, of, I don't know if you saw the film. I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio's Catch Me If You Can. It was like he was using some people's money to pay for other people's money, and then he was printing money at the same time, and <laughs> everything was this little circle while he was conning the FBI, I think it was, and he made it work for so long that I don't think he even knew what was real anymore. He didn't know what was right anymore. He didn't know what the truth was anymore because everything that he did was a lie in a way. He was still the 16, 17-year-old kid conning everybody into jobs. And I think he was a pilot at one point. Yeah. It's so complicated that people can take advantage of it if they've got an informational advantage over the person that they're talking to. Is that remnants of a previous version of 
the crypto space blockchain space that's bled over into like generation two do you see it actually going away at any point or do you think that's always going to be an element of the system when things like transparency gets involved when you make it transparent but then if people can control the transparency then there's always going to be something that people will hold back and everything becomes supply and demand as opposed to getting back to your equation of it needs to bring value to the world, not just have 5 million people fight over one that then drives the price up versus it actually being valuable to begin with. Okay. So the, the question then is, uh, I'm sorry, I missed the question in that. It's all right. I, I think it was more just a, Bit of a rant from my end. Rhetorical. <laughs> well, we should be ranting. Yeah. We should be ranting more. Because, I just, I just uh, we... wonder if there's, it's ever going to go away. Is the, the marketing well, supply and demand <clears throat> of something like that actually ever going to disappear? You know, honestly, I don't think so. Only because look at penny stocks today. You know, those are hyped up. Now, there's a lot of rules around that uh, with the SEC, but they're, they're largely ignored by people that or anonymous or outside the country. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if you, if you listen to Peter Drucker, like, like I do read his books, um, he talks about, there's really only two things uh, in business and, and that is innovation and marketing. So innovation obviously is the crypto industry, but uh, marketing uh, also plays a huge role in it right now. And the fact that we don't have the infrastructure in place to determine the winners from the losers, or at least, you know, a system that monitors what these crypto companies are saying. Um, and, and I hate to go too far. I hate Big Brother. I don't like government interference. But to have, and until we have that kind of infrastructure, uh, it, it's going to be the wild, wild west. We're not going to have, uh, it's not going to be that safe to invest unless you really, really have studied the, the token or the market like I have. What kinds of structure do you think could actually be helpful because obviously <laughs> one of the benefits of blockchain is it's decentralized, but then do we need a cage over it for it to make sense to people to have some kind of grasp over the actual thing in general? Because so many people are like, oh, it's decentralized, so wow, wow, West Territory then. And is that ever going to go away? Do we need a cage? Do we need some kind of structure? And how do you see it being helpful? Well, I think there should be severe penalties for people that rug pull or create Ponzi schemes to start off with. And it's got to be a global thing. Uh, secondly, what if, what if we did have a system on the blockchain that not just reported, you know, transactions, but recorded or reported uh, revenue and to who, um, and, and that would be pretty interesting. Maybe not to who specifically like Mark Fidelman is getting, you know, five cents for every transaction that happens because he runs the token, but, but maybe it's an address and that address is is held by, you know, some anonymous, some group that keeps that person anonymous unless there's something nefarious that happens. Uh, the beauty of the blockchain is everything can be transparent, but you have to be careful because I, I'm a big privacy advocate too. Um, so the balance between privacy and, um, you know, people that are nefarious and doing harm to the community and harm to other people have to be looked at pretty closely else the, there's not going to be trust in the system if you don't have trust and people aren't going to continue to, to to come into crypto and to invest so it's not an easy problem to solve on a, on a podcast but I, I could see a system that would work better than 
a government SEC uh, system because you've got the transparency. It's a, somebody's got to take that transparency and, and plug it into some sort of system that we can all see and evaluate on our own. Uh, and I don't know what that looks like yet. How would you see accountability playing out? Because I've spoken to a lot of people that, that say that if you kick yourself, if you don't do something, if you beat yourself up somewhat, if you keep yourself accountable to your actions, you'll tend to do better long term. I've noticed that things like consequences don't seem to last very long when it's virtual mm-hmm. because you can't actually face the person. You can say what you want, do what you want virtually. And there isn't a whole lot of consequences in there, which is why social media is what it is and how hopefully the, the blockchain and DeFi world crypto space is hopefully going to break that down. But I still don't really see a whole lot of consequences being almost bleeding over into the blockchain space in a way that is helpful. You know, you don't want people to, having huge consequences for doing something small, but then things like Ponzi schemes, not delivering on promises, all of that, as you said, needs to be regulated, needs to have certain rules and consequences in place. I have a think, because I know it's a complicated question. I've noticed (laughs) the questions are getting more and more complicated as we're going (laughs) along. Nuance too. Yeah. do, do Do you see it as accountability and how do you think it could be implemented? Because people like me with quite a, a strong moral comp, I, I don't do things that I don't want to do and I don't like it and it feels weird. I've got a quite a strong sense of morale. I've got quite a strong sense of morality with things like this. Like I just don't do something mm-hmm. unless I know I can deliver on it. And I am the kind of person that would beat myself up if I couldn't do it. And I would apologize and I would move on and all those things not many of us are around <laughs> how do you right. how do you see that looking because i think we need more of it if it's going to be safe for people than trusting as well so there, there, there's two two things I, I think i would bring up uh one um i don't really want to stop entrepreneurship and failure because you know we need these experiments that we're seeing um because once you know, it, once a DeFi project fails, somebody looks at that failure and says, oh, if they had just done it this way, it would have worked. And then we have a then we have a new token that provides real value to people, as an example. So, But the failures are big, like Luna. You know, people lost a lot of money, their life savings and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I would also say that, you know, your example of social media, there's no consequences for social media. But once you tie something to their bank account or in in our case their crypto wallet you know there's a consequence if you're taking somehow restricting or taking money back from a wallet from doing something that uh, is nefarious or something that uh, harms people so uh, i i think pretty easily you could stop a lot of this behavior not all of it if you somehow tied it to a financial implication and again, I don't know how that what that looks like. I just know that if on social media, every time I, you know, every time somebody flamed me for no reason, and they were penalized a hundred bucks or something by Twitter, you know, it'd be a lot less of it. I would probably agree with that. I think having something financial, given how 
financially motivated a lot of people tend to be these days that makes sense in a way that it's almost like a, a credit card let's say where you've got some kind of protection involved with your payments so that if you have proof of something not happening as a result of the payment then you can have it reversed so it's a way of protecting the the sending which would make sense aside from you then have to figure out what justifies a, a resend or a, a return to well, sender kind of situation i think yeah, it can, I, I it can make it, it hard i i would see it, it go to an, an escrow and then you'd have a, a three-person panel uh you know it'd have to be a significant amount but uh, a three-person panel um that's accredited kind of decide on you know what to do with that escrow uh, and i think that's a better solution than just returning it um, because again, any system that's created can be abused and to kind of minimize that, that abuse. And I, and I mean, from the perpetrator, as well as the, the people that are, um, you know, let's, let's say I bought something from you for $10,000 using Bitcoin. And, and then I said, eh, I'm going to rug pull them. You know, I take, I take the, let's say it's a watch I bought from you for $10,000 and then I retract my Bitcoin. Well, you know, if that system's in place, that's not fair to you who sold me your watch. But if there were a three-panel, you know, some you know, group of people that said, "Yeah, he showed proof that he delivered the watch," uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna return, we're gonna give the money to the person to you that sold me the watch. So there's, there's always fraud on both sides of the equation, and you know, I don't have a perfect system um, to kind of arbitrate these things, but I, I think. We can get close. We can we can set some of these things up without too much bureaucracy. You know, it's got to be decided within a week or so, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's the same with something quite simple as having parcels delivered, and you get an email proof of the delivery driver taking pictures or videos of the parcel being delivered. That kind of refutes any claims of like you didn't deliver it or any of those things because you take pictures and videos of you delivering it and i've got a funny feeling that it's going to be difficult as you said there's no perfect system but hopefully fingers crossed mark we managed to put one together before things get out of hand because this is happening now when a lot of the people that are in the space are either pre-educated they've got something they want to create and the blockchain space has allowed them to do that what if people are not educated enough in the system? Like, let's say things get mainstream when it comes to blockchain, crypto, DeFi, all those things. Let's say everyone is currently on the system. So we fast forward a little bit. Everyone's on there. The system's not going to be able to take that much scale where it's constantly backwards and forwards what mm -hmm. used to be being taken advantage of maybe once or twice a day is now one or two thousand times a day just because of how many people's in the system it yeah. can very very likely break at that point because it's not robust enough i don't think well if, then we have to make it more programmatic and, and again I, I i don't know how to do this but but the you know what what to me is logical is you've got programs that or ai that decides on a lot of this stuff to make it faster um and i haven't seen a lot of ai in blockchain there's probably a good reason for it but i suspect that's what we're evolving to 
where um, you've got AI that's doing a lot of reporting. You've got AI that's <clears throat> looking out for nefarious activity and you've got AI that's helping with transactions. But uh, again, this is just a guess uh, as to, to what I believe is going to happen in the future. I think it's worth having that. I think it's worth having like a merger of different technologies that allows the the blockchain space to function. I did have a conversation actually a while back with someone that does uh, crowdfunding, I think, on the blockchain and he has like phases. So you don't get all the money all at once. You've got to fulfill certain phases at certain levels and then you get access to the finances that you would need to put that phase together. And that made sense because if you get all the money all at once and then you don't do anything with it, that's a lot of finances that you're going to have to organize. If you go from zero and don't complete phase one, well, there's a lot less money at stake for, for the people investing as well. So I think having something similar in a way where you've got certain goals and criteria and responsibilities at different levels, that can be how we can break down some of the commerce fundraising side of it in the as you said if we look at the value that it brings and we break it down into right the first three months we're going to do this we need this amount to be able to do it that makes sense from a, a service point of view a commerce point of view but what if people just want to buy the art and that's it they just want to buy it that then gets more difficult because they would rather put all of it in get access to it and that's it rather than have it come out in little pieces as the owners or creators tend to fulfill this value that we bring into the system it's so complicated and hopefully people listening are following us so far um <laughs> it's it's just we need so complicated like one of those sketch artists yeah, we, we need sketch artists that are following this uh, yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would just say I, I believe in people. I believe in innovation. I believe that there will be some entrepreneurs that, that uh, don't completely solve the issue. We haven't solved it in the fiat world, right? But, you know, they, they help put some common sense things in place uh, because of the nature of the blockchain and it being digital uh, that could be more efficient and more effective than what we see in the fiat world. I'm, I'm confident those either there's people that are started on that path or maybe we'll be surprised by something that comes out in the next six months. What would you say to someone that wants to get involved? Because we've had quite a complicated conversation so far. We're hoping people that want to get involved would like to educate themselves first so that they can make more informed decisions and choices. How would you suggest people do that if they're new to the game how do they get involved if you're new to the game you know stick with the top 10 coins they're top 10 for a reason um there are some etfs that are emerging you know i i'm i'm a part of one called tetragar.io start with that but you know what we need more of we need more analysts so learn how to analyze crypto and there is no playbook for it so if if you're one that um can come in and, and develop playbook if you have an analytical mind and you're willing to report on what you see and, and get feedback from it, then I would approach it that way. Uh, start with, okay, I best in the top 10 coins and then start to analyze, uh, you know, anything beyond the top 10 or maybe start with the top 10. You can do that as well. There are some metrics in place that people follow. One is, uh, 
I think a big one is volume, transaction volume, but that can be manipulated. It's not hard. So be careful of that. I, I would go to a value-based system uh, and please somebody put that together and create that framework because I, I think it'd help a lot of people, including me. One of the criticisms of the system at the moment is because of the short-term, short nature of some of the system, especially when people can hike prices up of crypto and all of those things, you mentioned that there's either innovation or marketing. I can't remember who you mentioned started off with that quote, but is it simply the power of speculation here then? Is it all simply marketing and is that always going to be that way? Because speculation's what causes a lot of things to go up anyway, whether it's a news article or a PR campaign or whatever the case is, a lot of it is marketing and speculation and hearsay and you hear enough positive views of something, inevitably that's going to increase. A lot of negative ones, it's going to naturally decrease. Does that speak to it all being speculative then? Like it's very hard to predict. It's very hard to really know. But if you watch the news a lot, let's say, you can make some more accurate predictions just because there's a correlation between negative news it going down, positive news it going up. Is that accurate? Would you agree with that? And do you think that's the right thing moving forward? It, it, it's a tough one. Uh, because we still see it in the fiat world. And if we haven't figured it out in 200 years, how are we going to figure it out in, in crypto in a short period of time? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think yeah, what the SEC did is basically said, hey, you can't, you can't market this stuff. You can't talk about it uh, in a way that promotes it. Um, and if you do, you lose your license or you go to jail. Or, so there are very specific rules on what you can and can't say promoting a stock. Uh, I don't know if we need to go that far. I just hate bureaucracy. I, I, I hate the fact that you're so limited as to what you can do. But I do believe there's got to be some system or structure in place uh, that really penalizes nefarious actors, um, but also provides a level of transparency we don't see in the fiat world. So it's, it's really easy to check. Let's say an influencer says, oh, you need to buy... Uh, you know, XYZ crypto because, you know, they're trans they're, uh, they're making a hundred million dollars a year. I'm making this stuff up. Well, if you had a system that was reporting that says, no, they're not making a hundred million dollars a year, they're making $1 million a year. Well then, you know, you could easily call those people out and they would be penalized, you know, somehow for me, I would penalize them financially, but, uh, you know, something that can easily be proven wrong, uh, and you're promoting it that way, then uh, I think there should be some kind of penalty. So I, I think there is a system you could put in place because of the blockchain, because of the, the transparency that you don't see in the fiat world. Uh, again, I'd, I'd love to see somebody come up with a, some sort of system or framework to, to do that. I find it happen quite a bit socially as well like the amount of people that would say don't you have any proof of that what's the evidence you see a lot of the the youngsters having like you know the sources trust me you know like you you have a conversation with someone and they say something go oh that's a bit odd have you got any evidence of that and they go oh no no just trust me i have a hard time with that i would just say well no like i would appreciate you actually sharing the evidence you know how you came to your decisions and i think if there's a way 
we can integrate that in. So if you make a claim, you need to provide evidence. It's like when you go to university, you can't say something without a reference as to why you, you're saying those things. Um, I think we're going into a space where that's going to be more a requirement because a lot of people have been scammed over the years, haven't they, Mark? Everyone's been taken advantage of in some way, shape or form. And a lot of people are trying to protect themselves against that while also wanting to benefit. And it's almost like if you live in fear and you don't do anything and you don't make any headway either. But having the evidence or proof is a way of bridging that gap, I think. And I would agree that that's probably something that we need to do because otherwise anyone can say anything. And again, getting back to what we said before, there's no consequences of whatever people are saying these days. Yeah, I, I, here's what, I, and I don't understand why this isn't in place in the fiat world, but you know, even if I put a case together for like crypto, well, what are my assumptions? And where did I get those assumptions? And uh, where are my proof points? So I can come out and say, hey, I did this big analysis and, and I say this crypto is going to go up. But you would have to go back through my analysis, which could take months, to see if I, was, I missed something or I was just lying. But what if you had, and I don't know why they don't have this, especially with public corporations, what if you had these you know, public dashboards or like, you know, some sort of cockpit like pilots have when they're flying planes, and it's given you all the data. Everyone sees the same data on the same dashboard for any crypto that's being traded. And then you can make your own determination based on what that data is telling you uh, as to what you want to invest in. There just isn't enough of that. Uh, that's out there. I know there's bits and pieces. I know there are some sites that track some of the, especially transaction volume, but there's just not all the rest of the things like you, real users, you know, verif- real crypto verified users, the activity of those users, all these things uh, nobody's brought to the front in, in mass, like having all these KPIs front and center so that any time somebody makes a claim, oh, I just go to the page that has the, the dashboard on it to see if, if this information is accurate. So that, that's, that's why I think it's needed, at least a phase one. And then we learn from that. We create a phase two version of that. But all the technology is there. We just need somebody with you know, uh, the entrepreneur spirit to put it together. To play devil's advocate a little bit, given that all the technology is there available, what would you say to someone that said, well, clearly... They don't want the technology to be involved, otherwise it would be. So is there a reason why it's not being used at the moment? Do you think people have got this vested interest in keeping it how it is? Yeah, because you you know, anytime you you don't have transparency, then nefarious things can happen. Uh, I, I also think that it might be incredibly expensive to do this and uh, to come up with standards um, and getting everyone to agree to it. You know, it's difficult. Um, there isn't a big crypto body that's you know, making these decisions yet that I'm aware of. So it, it's probably a very difficult task. Um, and, you know, how do you monetize it? Okay, you create these dashboards for everybody, but how, how are you monetizing it? Through ads once you hit the dashboard? Or is there, you know, you got to have an infrastructure in place to make sure all this information is coming in correctly for each of the tokens. So I, it's probably a monumental task. But, you know, we've done we've done harder things. It, it can be done. I'm, I'm confident of that. But uh, it, perhaps it's just too difficult. 
I think maybe it it could be. And the reason why I, I say that is the people that have the biggest pull, I guess, in the blockchain space would typically benefit from it. You mentioned things like privacy and being transparent. I'm, I'm a fairly private person as well, all things considered. And I think giving people the choice of what to share and what not to share, inevitably someone's going to withhold information that would otherwise compromise them or I don't think they're going to share something that will compromise them. And that will lead to a lot of different things, a lot of consequences, a lot of decisions that people have to make. And it's going to be hard because you can't regulate information that's not even there. You know, if you, no one shares it, you can't regulate it. So it kind of shortcuts the the system, doesn't it? If no one shares it, then no matter what system we build, it's only going to be given the hand that people give them, you know, the cards that you're being dealt, so to speak. It's so complicated and so difficult that, I mean, my own real opinion is I don't think it's going to go away. I think there's always going to be people that will do nefarious things with it because it's not gone away from pre-internet to post-internet it's not gone away from pre-social media to post-social media it's not gone away no matter what new systems come out no matter how mature it gets there's always going to be people that will try and take advantage of it yeah i would argue though that those systems don't have financial penalties uh, and uh, if they're sued it's a long drawn-out process and you have to spend a lot of money on attorneys and ultimately it's probably not worth it but if there were a an automated penalty system or somewhat automated with AI backing it and you know some some of these nefarious things that we're calling them happen and you're automatically you know you deducted a hundred dollars <laughs> you might think twice about doing something like that now I know that's, that's a complicated a system to set up you know everyone complains about Facebook's policies of, of jailing people for ridiculous things so I know how difficult it is to, to, to create a system like that even with AI but I'm confident we can come up with something that deters a lot of that activity and uh, brings, you know, a, a sense of trust to the system. Because unlike social media, if you're scammed or rug pulled in crypto, you lose a lot of money. In, in social, you might lose your reputation, which I know is valuable, but uh, you might be hurt for a day. You know, your ego get, takes a hit for a day because somebody's coming after you. But in crypto, you might lose your life savings. So we've got to have something better in place uh, that stops most of this activity. You'll never stop at all. That's a fair point, actually. And it does make me think as well. You mentioned uh, Facebook's algorithm as well. And that made me think, well, I know that there are people that get banned for, for crazy reasons, but people post things all the time and don't get banned someone can post something fairly straightforward and then get banned. So I think that in a way, because of the circulation of the finances, it'll come and go. A like hundred dollars or pounds might seem like a lot until you also then receive that money back by some other by some other way. And it just made me think that maybe it's not enough, but even if it takes the top or worst, should we say, 10 or 20% of all of the actions and activity that's on the blockchain because it's not completely robust, in my mind, that would make people be even more careful. Like if it's even remotely dangerous or nefarious or negative, I could get banned by even remotely saying this or remotely getting close to that. It's almost like if it might happen to anybody, 
for whatever reason, if anything, that has put more trust in the system because people are getting banned and find left, right and centre. It will make people be a bit more careful as opposed to less, I think. What do you think? I like that system. I would be very worried about how, how it's implemented. Uh, in, and while you were saying that, I was thinking there could also be a reputational system that's put in place, you know, alongside it or, or instead of a financial penalty system where, you know, your reputation is determined somehow by what you've done uh, in crypto and, and what you've said or promoted or how you did it and what the end results were. Wouldn't it be great if, and they don't even do this in the stock world, but if you make predictions, and it's tracked. Okay, you made a prediction, and we'll see how that prediction. Uh, let, let's see how that prediction falls falls out. And by the way, if you if you're one of these promoters, you got to put your entire portfolio online. Now it's easy to hide that in crypto, but uh, so maybe that wouldn't work. But you know, you you uh, you make a prediction, you you promote a, a crypto. You know, here's your report card, and it's ongoing, and it can't be erased, and it's you know somewhere on a on a server somewhere that anyone can see. That, that might be another way of doing it, so you can go and check the reputation of this particular person. I think given social media has become this reputation, social following kind of ecosystem, that for certain people, anyway, a, a hit to reputation could be worth more than the £100 or dollars that they would otherwise yeah, yeah. be fined. It's like if someone lost 2 million followers that's a heck of a lot more than £100 or $100 a month or a week or a day to some people, depending on what, what their business is or how they monetize their their audience in a way. I've got a funny feeling that that would probably be the only thing that would do it. Because for certain people, money isn't an issue. I think £100 or dollars is not really going to break the bank for the people that are doing this, provided they've you know got some kind of backing anywhere. $100 isn't really a lot of money but if someone's got a large following and it's halved overnight that could make a big a big dent i think yeah it's it's like and then why not both you know find a way to do both so hey if i do something stupid or i purposely deceive people uh or even make a prediction without really studying you know this particular crypto and i take a financial and reputational hit then uh i i think uh that would make people think three or four times before doing anything stupid. I'd see. I think it would be a lot. There'd be a lot more trust in the system. I think definitely having people think before they act is something that we need to encourage. I think we need yeah. to have more people that think before they act for sure. Well, I mean, look at that. I mean, if you look at the behavior of, you know, I, I refer things to children. I have children. If there are no consequences for their behavior, then you know they're going to run amok. And that's what we're seeing out there. Said, so, oh well, I could post, a, hey, buy Bitcoin right now at twenty thousand, because there's no, there's no ramifications if I'm wrong. It's, people just forget it. You know, it's, it's not something that's being tracked. But if it were, and uh, there was some sort of reputational hit as a result of me saying something stupid that I know nothing about, then I think people would think twice. I think they would too. And it made me think before that all of this systemizing might actually slow things down in a way but it did make me wonder if that's a good thing like speed is becoming difficult to manage difficult to police difficult to set rules around or principles around or manage and try and prevent 
a lot of the negativity as well. It's like if it's that fast, everything moves so quickly. There's no way you can even manage it. And even AI is not reliable, hence why people get banned or whatever it is for for random reasons or things that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. But do you think that slowing things down by having these things in place might actually be a good thing? I think it, I don't know if it does slow things down. I mean, if you have a trusting system, then don't more people get into it and things will speed up as a result of that trust, that platform of trust. You know, would you, would you go into a casino that had no rules or regulations and was run by the mafia? Uh, probably not. Uh, yeah. But if you went into a casino where the games were actually fair and you know, had had regulations so that you won't be cheated and people go to jail if there's any kind of cheating, you're probably more likely to have a Las Vegas. So <clears throat> I, I think it actually speeds things up, ironically. And uh, the faster we can implement a system like that, I think the better the industry is as a whole. I guess that comes down to the consequences of having a system that's even more trustworthy if you can have something in place that makes people trust it more and feel safer that could have a consequence of speeding it up so it's like it slows down at first but then because of the system it speeds up because people move quicker within it does that make sense yeah that that's the way i kind of view it it's like we should we should have this trust in the system and and with that trust comes people that are coming in because they, they feel like, okay, I'm not going to be scammed or rug pulled. And so, yes, I, I would think it would speed things up. Um, and, and also there's one other factor I would bring up is that we just have to make it easier for people to get into the system. It's such a nightmare right now uh, of just trying to, you know, try buying a, a crypto uh, if you've never done it before. It, it's an arduous process. Especially if you use like MetaMask, you know, for somebody who's never done this before, transferring stuff around is scary. And, and uh, you know, these large string of numbers that, that are addresses, um, you know, people that screw that up, even though you can do a cut and paste or they lose their wallets or the keys of their wallets. It's like, it's not an easy system. What would you have instead? If you could have a, a better system, what would it be? you're really getting me thinking today, huh? Um, Okay. So (laughs) it should at least be as easy as opening up a bank account and moving money around like Zelle. It should be that easy. So why is it tied to this large address? Why isn't, why isn't it hard tied to an email address or some sort of username or or something that makes it super simple? I know Wax has done that, but they they shortened it um, quite a bit. So you could just transfer to what I think the equivalent is of uh, a short URL, but why, why isn't, why aren't these things personalized? You know, you could personalize it any way you want. It's unique, like an email address, but something simple to remember um, that, that we can use. Why do we always have to come up with these large string of numbers? So I, I, that's one way I would do it. <clears throat> uh, the other is somebody take a look at how to onboard people quickly and efficiently and, and start, you know, buying, uh, crypto through the exchanges or, or things that uh, you're using MetaMask for now, uh, why isn't there an easy way of buying these things either directly or, or through a system that, that makes it very simple to use? 
and again, I haven't thought this through more than what I just said, but there's always ways of making things more efficient. Do you know why they started with these long strings of numbers? Like, was there a reason for it, or was it just so it's different from the way things were before? I, I think like any new system, they overcomplicate things in order to separate people that are in the club and outside the club. I'm not sure that's the reason why they did it. I'm sure they, they needed a string of numbers long enough so it could be unique forever. Um, I think that's probably what they did, but you could still do that uh, in different ways. It doesn't have to be, you know, this long string of numbers that no way possible anyone can memorize. You're always having to cut and paste it. Um, and it's not personalized. So you, so you didn't even know, okay, what wallet is this coming from? Like I, I if you have them all, on a spreadsheet or something, and unless you label them on a spreadsheet, you don't even know where, where it's going or where it's coming from. You, you have to be very diligent about these strings of addresses that, you know, but if you had like, uh, if you had, say, Johnny's account and uh, Sally's account, and, you know, you're able to personalize it that way, I think people feel a lot more comfortable in, in using these, these systems. Yeah, I, I completely echo that. I think having something that's easier to use is probably going to benefit people. And I guess that's been the same with everything, though, hasn't it? Like, it used to be very hard to create email addresses, and then all of a sudden they came up with an easier way. It's almost like they try and put it out as quickly as possible, and inevitably it's complicated, difficult to use, clunky, and then it just gets better over time. So I really hope that people start to do that people in charge the people that manage the the industry or the technology should probably make it more user-friendly i think well mark it's been fantastic to have you on the podcast how can people find out more about you i'd be really keen to have you on again if you ever get the chance to do that but yeah, how just, would people uh, find out more about you well they can go to uh, at mark fidelman on twitter or instagram that's m-a-r-k F-I-D-E-L-M-A-N uh, or you can go to smartblocks.agency Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Mark, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me. If you want to join a group of like-minded people that are all out to achieve their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, and they get the help and support from me and the other members, then my inner circle is for you. There's a link in the description for this episode to get two months free of the inner circle. So you set your membership up, you get two months free access. Hopefully I'll see you there and I look forward to helping you on your journey of achieving the life that you want.